1 Samuel 31, beginning at verse number 6. If you found it, say amen. So Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor bearer, and all his men that same day together. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, and they that were on the other side, Jordan, saw that the men of Israel fled and that Saul and his sons were dead. They forsook the cities and fled. And the Philistines came and dwelled therein. Can I tell you that if you leave a vacuum in your life, the enemy will fill it. And it came to pass on the morrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain and they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa that they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, sent it into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. This is an interesting place in the history of the nation of Israel. It is a transition point. Waiting in the wings is a young man by the name of David, anointed by Samuel. But before David can do what God's called him to do, something has to be done with Saul. And so I want to preach for a little while tonight. If you want David, you have to bury Saul. If you want David, you have to bury Saul. You can't have two kings. One has to be on the throne and the other has to be in the grave. Lord, I thank you, God, for your presence, for your spirit. Anoint me to preach and deliver my heart. Anoint ears to hear. God, I thank you for the great things that you've already done today. What a wonderful, wonderful touch from heaven. Now, God, I pray for your anointing to help me to speak the word you gave to my heart. And anoint ears to hear. Have your way, God. I trust you tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. God, I worship you. God bless you. You can be seated. Many Pentecostals in 2024 are having an identity crisis. 
The thing that is sweeping the world right now is this whole gender identity issue. People don't know who they are. They identify as something that God never designed them to be. To me, it's very sad when God has created somebody fearfully and wonderfully and yet they are unaware or uncaring of the meticulous time that God has invested in them. That's probably already enough for us to be kicked off social media tonight, so we have nothing to worry about from here on. But when you see something very prominent in nature, it is very often mirroring something that's happening in the spirit. And so what's happening in the world, I believe, is a direct result of too long of a time of the church not really knowing who we are and who we want to be. Praise God. Dangerous things happen when God's people are more influenced by the world than they are by him. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody's saying amen and somebody's saying, here we go again. <laughs> God had always attended, intended, God had always intended for Israel to look to him for their direction and identity. Israel was never supposed to be like all the nations around them. God had called them his peculiar treasure. They were his unique people. When God looked at Israel, he wasn't sad that they didn't appear to be Philistines or Egyptians or Syrians. He was perfectly satisfied Israel being exactly like his word told them to be. But in time, Israel began to look at the world for their influence. By the time of Samuel the prophet, Israel had began to long to be like all the nations around them. They went to Samuel the prophet and they, made, they told him, make us a king that can judge us like all the other nations. The problem was they were never supposed to be like all the other nations. It was never in God's design for them to be at all like all those other people. They were not to eat like all the other nations. They were not to talk like all the other nations. They were not to worship like all the other nations. They were not to act like all the other nations and they were not supposed to look like all the other nations. They were intended to be a holy nation, a peculiar people. There was nothing about Israel that was supposed to resemble the heathen nations around them. When God's people try to be like worldly people, it always opens the door to heartache and struggle. There is a terrible price to be paid when the church tries harder to be like the world than they try to be like the God that brought them out of the world. 
We got to be careful what we ask for from God because he might just let us have it. Israel said, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. We want what the world has. Give us a king to rule over us. And by and time, God allowed them to have exactly what they wanted. Samuel knew that Israel was making a terrible mistake. And he prayed to God about the error of the people. In 1 Samuel 8 and 7, God answered Samuel with the direct word. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. It's a dangerous thing when God says, okay, if that's what they want, let them have what they want. If God ever looks at you and says, okay, I'm going to let you go your own way and I'm going to tell the man of God not to address it anymore and not to argue with you about it and not to fight with you about it. You just do what you want to do. If you ever get to that place in God, then you are in a dangerous position when it comes to your salvation. Amen. I realize that sometimes I sound like a broken record. And I realize sometimes people get tired of me preaching the same stuff. But you better ask God, Lord, don't ever let that preacher quit addressing the sin in my life. Don't ever let him, don't ever tell pastor just to let me do what I want to do. Hearken unto the people of all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. Nowhere did you ever find Israel saying, God, we don't want you anymore. They didn't go to Samuel and say, Samuel, we're tired of God. We don't want God to be part of our lives anymore. No, all they said was give us a king. We want God and a king. We want God and what the world has. We want God and what everybody else is doing. But God said, I'm not going to share you with the world and I'm not going to share you with the devil. You don't get to pick and choose if you want the world or you want me. You either want me or you want the world. And so God said, preacher, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They don't want me to reign over them. And so you can't be both. Amen. You can't be both godly and worldly at the same time. The acceptance of one requires the rejection of the other. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Do you want a God or do you want a king? Do you want a man who will tell you what you want, what you're going to do? Or do you want a God that will bless you from sunrise to sunset and all through the night? Do you want a king that you can look at and put a crown on his head? Or do you want a God that's going to crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy? You got to make a choice. Do you want a king that's going to take from you? Or do you want a God that's going to give to you? So, do you want a worldly king who will fight for you when he feels like it? Or do you want a God that will fight for you no matter what happens and no matter who comes your way? God said, if that's what they want, let them have what they want. And it wasn't long until Saul was anointed and Saul was crowned the king. And in short order, Israel regretted their choice. Saul started with much potential 
and he ended up such a failure. He started head and shoulders above every man in Israel, but ended up a spiritual midget that never accomplished anything. He ended up deciding, I don't need God, carnal, backslidden, and finally in witchcraft. Many times people's lives start off with much promise and much hope, but because of the decisions they make, their lives end up as a shipwreck. I have known people over the years that had potential written all over them. You could look at them and tell that God had great plans and great designs. They should be doing great things for God right now. They could be making a difference for the kingdom. And I'll be honest with you, while I was typing this message, my mind began to filter over faces that have stood in these altars, that have stood on this platform, that have worshiped in these pews, that should be doing something for God but because of choices because of decisions of things they wanted from this world no longer are they anywhere near the presence of God and they've traded everything because they wanted a king instead of a God do you know anyone who should have been could have been would have been But now they're like Saul. They could have been great, but something got in their spirit. Something derailed them. Saul's whole life ended up in ruin. By the time it was over, his life was a total loss. Saul ended up a complete failure. Saul's disobedience to Samuel and to God started him down a long pathway of destruction. Saul became a national disgrace. He was the symbol of disappointment and failure. He was the poster child for what happens when people don't look to God any longer. He was the symbol of Israel's drastic mistake and their backsliding. And Saul represented all of their weaknesses and their failures. The enemy of God's people, the Philistines, destroyed Saul. And when they did, they didn't have the respect for him to leave him lying in the field of battle. But they take his body, they, they, they cut his head off, and then they take his armor, and they take his body, and they fix it, the Bible said. I'm guessing some kind of nail or spike, and they nail him to the wall of the city of Bethshan as a trophy, a headless trophy that they walk by and they rejoice because we got one. We got one, church. Look at us. We got one. It was God's man. He was a king of Israel. And look what we got. We've got Saul. I'm going to tell you that when the enemy is through with you, you will be nothing but a trophy. You'll be nothing but another story in hell. We got us another one. They used to shout in the aisle. They used to talk in tongues. They used to be in the choir. They used to feel a call to ministry. But look at them now, headless, nailed to the walls of this world. They took the skeleton of Saul and hung it on the city of Bethshan. The name Bethshan means the house of ease. The house of ease. It was always Saul's downfall. He began to serve God easy, lounging under pomegranate trees while Jonathan's fighting Philistines, hiding in his tent while David is charging after giants, 
lounging in comfort while other people fight his battles. I'm going to tell you that if you try to serve God easy, it's going to be a death sentence to your soul. If you try to find the path of least resistance, you're going to find yourself in terrible trouble. If you're looking for relaxing in the tent when you should be on the field of battle, you're going to find yourself a disappointment. There was an old preacher that preached here many years ago. I've heard Brother Wilson say it over and over. Brother Bird said, if you live for God hard, it will be easy. But if you live for God easy, it's going to be hard. Can I tell you, we need to raise our level of commitment to the God that pulled us out of darkness. help me preach tonight. God asked for 100% commitment to him and anything less is to invite failure into your life. Can I tell all of our new people, I am so excited that you're here. I'm so thankful. I don't know how many, we baptized well over 100 last year. I don't know the exact number, but I know this much, that I am so thankful that you're here and what God is doing in your life. Can I tell you, don't settle for a partway relationship with God. Oh, hallelujah. Can I, can I just preach my heart to you? Don't you ever get tired of worshiping in these altars. I love everybody in this church. I love everybody that shouts and everybody that doesn't. I love everybody that talks in tongues and everybody that doesn't. I love everyone that, that's faithful and everyone that, that's not. But let me tell our new people, don't you ever settle for a dead, dry relationship with God. You're called to more than that. You're called to greater than that. You're called to do something great for God. Don't you settle. Don't go to the city of ease. Well, I wish somebody would help me praise God right now. I pastored a long time. I feel, sometimes I feel a little bit like David when he said, I was young and now I'm old. I started pastoring at 27 years old. I had no clue what I was doing. I still don't have a clue what I'm doing, but I had no, no, really no clue then. I just was trying my best to survive every day, just trying our best to not go under, just hoping we can make it through another week, counting the money after every service, just hoping we got enough to pay the bills and get by. I, I'm, I'm now 30-some I'm now years removed from that. It's been, a, it's, it's been a long time, dear Lord. Been a long time. I'm not, I'm 20 some years removed. I can't even count. I'm so old. I've gotten to the age where I wear a hat, not because it looks good, but because my head gets cold. I've been pastoring a long time. I pastored a lot of people. I pastored people that have gone up and down. I pastored people I never dreamed would have made it, and they made it. I pastored people I never dreamed they would have failed, but they failed. Amen. So let me just tell you right now, don't you ever settle for a dry relationship with God. You will bring misery onto your soul. You'll Don't ever lose your shout. Don't ever lose your worship. 
Don't ever lose your tongue talking. Somebody better help me preach right now. Don't ever lose your faithfulness. You got to hold on to it. You got to hold on. You got to fight for it with everything you've got because there's a devil. There's an enemy out there that wants to cut your head off. And so Saul's bones, Saul's body is hanging on the wall of the city of Bethshan. A headless reminder, a trophy for the enemy, but a reminder to Israel of their mistake and their failure. While Saul was on his downward spiral, God sent Samuel to anoint a shepherd boy named David to be the king. David was a fresh start, a new beginning. He was a worshiper and a warrior. Samuel had anointed David, but Israel had not put their seal on David. But the time came when Israel was ready to anoint David to be the king and put the reign of Saul behind them. Has anybody ever had a phase of life that you wish you could just put behind you? Hello, somebody. Amen. Is there something that maybe you've done, a season that you went in where things crept into your life and you wish they weren't there? You wish you could just pretend like it never happened, but the enemy's always reminding you. And that's what it was for Israel. Waiting in the wings is David the giant killer, David the lion killer, David the bear killer, David the man after God's own heart, David the sweet psalmist of Israel, David the king, the prophet. David the worshiper the man after God's own heart and waiting in the wings is David a fresh anointing a fresh beginning a fresh start a new victor a new victorious life waiting in the wings is David who has all the promise of a kingdom anointed by God and Israel just wants to turn their back on Saul and I'm ready for my David anointing but you can't have David till you bury Saul You cannot move into your new anointing until you deal with what got you where you are. You cannot step into your David kingdom until you deal with the mistakes that brought Saul into your life. You can pretend it's not there. You can ignore it, but you'll never walk in the victory of David until Saul's body has been dealt with. Can I preach to somebody tonight? And can I tell you, there's people that are reaching for a new life. And I'm telling you, there's new life here. Woo, hallelujah. I've watched you. I I started to say a while ago, I pastored a lot of people. And I see people make a start. And I've learned in my years of pastoring that the people that make it are the ones that you understand. I got to turn my back on my old life or I'll never have my new life. There's too many people trying to get a fresh anointing with Saul still in the life. Come here, Brother Marshall. I didn't know if I was going to do this or not. Brother Marshall gets to be King David. Amen. I travel all over the world and preach for people. Almost everywhere I go, there's some girl in that country that wants to know about Marshall. (laughs) Free advertising right there. Not just national, that was international advertising. Amen. Brother Aaron Hughes, come here. You're tall. 
like saw. You, you, have the, you have the curse of being tall. When I was a teenager, every preacher that came and preached about Goliath, I had to be Goliath. I got my head chopped off so many times. <laughs> Saul has to be dealt with. You can't just pretend it didn't, that he didn't happen. You can't just close the door and act like, I mean, you cannot move into your new life until you've dealt with Saul. And so here's David. David has a fresh anointing on him. David's a brand new era. But David can't be king until Saul is dealt with. I don't know how you're going to do it. If you're going to climb on his back or jump over his shoulder. I don't know how you're going to do it. But somehow you are going to get up here. Yes. I don't care how you quit dancing and do it. The devil told me to do something, and you saw me fight the urge. But I haven't completely overcome it yet. I hadn't quite buried Saul. He's wanting me to get on with it. But you cannot... Go ahead and climb to the throne, David. That's all great and good. But five years into the kingdom, if you're still carrying around Saul, you're going to have, you're going to struggle. No, 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 no. We ain't done yet. Uh-uh. Do step back from the steps. But he's making my point. You understand how tiring and difficult it is to step into a new dimension of your life while you're still carrying the past every day. You have to understand, I can't carry the burdens of my past and reach for what God wants me to be at some point. At some point, you got to put worldliness down. You got to put carnality down. You got to put sin down. You got to put addiction down. At some point, you got to put a desire for the world. If you don't put him down and bury Saul, you'll never become what God wants you to be. And the reason you're struggling so hard is you're trying to carry Saul into your new anointing. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. You got to put him down. You got to bury Saul or you can't have David. Yes, I want my victory. Yes, I want my deliverance. Yes, I want my joy. And yes, I want my peace. But I also want my world. And I want my flesh. And I want my desires of the flesh. And I want to fit in with the world and look like the world and talk like the world and act like the world. And I want David, but I'm not quite ready to let go of Saul. Friend, you're going to be the most miserable Christian that you'll ever find. If you don't learn, you got to bury Saul. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. There's a whole new level. There's a whole new level of anointing coming your way. 
I'm prophesying to somebody. There's a David in the wings waiting on you. Yes, I've come to tell somebody there's a fresh anointing coming your way. There's a, there's a Davidic anointing heading towards you, and he's waiting, but he cannot come to the throne until Saul is buried. Somebody needs to go home and go through their house and do an inventory of Saul's stuff. Huh. Oh, I know I'm not Mr. Popular right now, but I'm telling you, there's a David in here somewhere that's getting ready to walk in victory like they've never had because they're getting ready to feel the release of a burden that they've carried longer than God ever designed for them to carry it. You're carrying something that God wants you to bury. Well, praise God. I wish somebody got excited about holiness preaching. Because there's a call for holiness in 2024. God's not lowering his standard just because the world has lowered theirs. Somebody needs to bury Saul. Oh, I'm going to shout a little bit myself. If you won't shout with me, I'll shout by myself because I feel a revival coming on for somebody. I feel a breakthrough coming on for somebody. I feel a Davidic anointing coming on somebody's life because you're getting a realization that you're buried. you got to bury some stuff. Stand with me. I'm done preaching. You don't believe me, but I am. You can't have David. You can't have David while you're still flirting with Saul. I'm preaching a word directly to some people right now. That your issue is not God and don't love you and God's given up on you. Your issue is not people around you that are holding you back. Your issue is that you have not yet decided that it's time to dig a hole for Saul. You want David at church, but you want Saul at school. You want David at church, but you want Saul at work. You want David when your marriage is in trouble, but you want Saul when you're scrolling on your phone by yourself. When you're flirting with the person next to you on the line at work, you want Saul. But when you come to church and get under conviction, you want David. I'm just going to cut to the chase. You got to bury Saul if you want David. You'll never step into your fresh anointing if you're still carrying the world around. Somebody needs to bring Saul to the altar. Somebody needs to bring Saul to the altar. Somebody needs to bring Saul to the altar and say, I'm through carrying Saul around. I want my David. I want my victory. I want my peace. I want my joy. I want my anointing. I want my breakthrough. I want revival for my family. I want revival for my mind. I want revival for my... I don't want to lay my head down with guilt and shame. I'm through with you, Saul. I'm through with you, Saul. 
carrying you any further. Look, this is the first Sunday of 2024. You don't have to carry Saul any deeper into this year. I'm waking up my Davidic anointing inside of me. I'm waking up that part inside of me that God called. And you can't have David until you bury Saul. As your eyes are closed all over this place, the Holy Ghost is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here tonight. Saul's not necessarily an item of clothing, not necessarily an addiction. Those things are Saul's, but sometimes it's just a resistance to a move of the Spirit. That you know when the Spirit's moving that it's time to connect and worship, but you sit back and you wait. You're holding on to Saul when David is waiting to ascend to the throne. Somebody has a lion killer inside of them. Somebody has a bear slayer inside of them. Somebody in this place is a giant killer. But you got to deal with Saul if you're ever going to have David. Is anybody here that ever dealt in a battle with some things for a long time? Until you finally just gave in and gave it all to God. And then you realize there's so much more peace when I'm not wrestling with Saul every night. I lay my head down at night and I'm not tormented by Saul anymore. I found peace because I buried him. The Bible said they buried him under a tree. best thing you can do right now is bring your saw to Calvary's rugged tree and bury him at the cross. I'm giving my life to you, Lord. Am I preaching to anybody? I'm trying to help you have a happy new year. God, I'm not going to wrestle with these things. I'm going I'm to draw a line. I made up my mind tired of carrying Saul around. It's exhausting to carry Saul when I know I'm called and anointed for more. It's exhausting to carry Saul when I know that God has more for me. Reach out. Reach out. Pray with somebody close to you. I'm not trying to bring condemnation tonight. What I'm trying to do is preach to you that there's an open door before you. There's a fresh anointing. There's a fresh anointing. A baptism of peace. Oh, God, help me. Come on, you, you can talk to God. You know what your soul is. 99% of you, it's not a secret. You already know what your battle is. You just need to tell God, I need your help, Lord. God's not ashamed to hear you say it. 
God, I need you. I need you to help me overcome. I need you to help me, Lord Jesus, to set myself. I need you to help me set myself and determine myself. one for another. Encourage one another. Somebody's stepping into a brand new life tonight. Somebody's stepping into a fresh anointing tonight. That's right. Talk to God. I'm stepping, I'm stepping into a whole new life.
step into my fresh anointing. Help me, Lord, to reach for higher heights. To become what you've called me to be. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In just a few moments, we'll be closing the service. Just by way of reminder, if you are a guest tonight, we would love to have you come to meet and greet. If you brought somebody with you or you're connected to someone that's a guest, if you'll help us tonight to, uh, to help them find meet and greet, we certainly would appreciate that. Also, the sign-up for Grow Class 3 and for Grow 4, Advanced Discipleship and leadership. They're right here. I don't want you to leave if you're going to go in those classes. I want you to sign up so we can be prepared. We want to have the rooms ready for Wednesday night. Amen. Where's Brother Justice and Sister Candace? Amen. Sister Candace's sister is the pastor's wife at Blue Mountain, Sister Chelsea Smith, married to Brother Caleb. Brother Caleb and Sister Chelsea are doing a great work in Blue Mountain. And uh, I'm honored to be their pastor, and, uh, and they're doing a good work there. And uh, Brother Justice and Sister Candace and their boys are going to help Brother Caleb and Sister Chelsea in the Blue Mountain Church, and going to be a blessing. They've been a blessing here in music and singing and Sunday school and uh, juniors and just really just anything that, uh, that they could do. And so we are sending them with the blessing of the leadership to go and help their family do a work for God in Blue Mountain. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you, if you will, maybe if you're close, you can lay your hand on them. If you're not close, you want to reach out and let's pray for them that God would use them in Jesus' name, God. Thank you, Lord, for the years and the time that Brother Candace and Sister Chelsea, Sister Candace and Brother Justice have invested in the church. Thank you, God, for the time and the season that they've served. Lord, I pray that you would equip them and anoint them. God, to be an assistant. God, to be a help. God, to be an asset to Brother and Sister Smith and the Blue Mountain Church. I pray, God, let him be a soul winner. In the name of Jesus, anoint them and use them mightily for the kingdom of God. Lord, I ask you, God, to place your blessing upon them. In the name of Jesus, God, go with them. Be their strength, be their guide, be their direction. Help them to be submitted to their pastor and to do a work for you, God. Anoint them mightily in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, give Brother... Justice and Sister Candace a good hand and their boys.